Like Father just said, we are going to be talking a little bit more about prayer. Um, so the last few weeks, talking about how we pray, right? We had imaginative distractions in prayer. Um, and so what we're doing today is we're kind of shifting our focus a little bit um, away from the very active prayer and to our entire lives. And so we're kind of asking the question, what's the relationship between prayer and the rest of my life? How do I bring my experiences in prayer, the graces I receive, to the rest of my life? And how do I prohibit prayer from becoming just this one hour thing or 30 minutes of 30 minute thing I do every day, right? Because I don't know about you, but so often when I started praying, um, it would be this really incredible 30 minutes of prayer. And I would receive so much from the Lord. I would receive so many graces, but then I would leave, right? I'd, I'd leave the chapel and then I would go and I'd walk on the campus, I'd get on the Aggie bus, and then I'd go to class. And then I would feel all the life just like leave, <laughs> right? And that was my experience of, of the rest of my life. And same kind of thing, I would go to prayer and I would just be so convicted about the truth of the gospel, about who Jesus Christ is. And then I would go to a meeting on Tuesday night, a meeting on a Wednesday night, and I would feel like I wasn't the person that I was in prayer. I wasn't the person that I was at St. Mary's. And I don't know if any of you guys can relate to that experience, but so often it feels like I, I come to St. Mary's, I come to prayer, and I have this beautiful encounter, but I just struggle to bring it to the rest of my life. How do we bring the substance of our life to him? How do we bring those things, our daily experiences, to the Lord? And how do we take that encounter, that incredible experience that we have with Jesus, that relationship, that we experience in prayer, and how do we bring that to the rest of our lives? That's the kind of idea that we're talking about today. Um, we're going to be doing it through the lens of activism and contemplation, right? So the active life and the contemplative life. So what is the active life? Well, the active life is our exterior works. It's Bible study, discipleship, right? These really obvious things that we do in ministry. But it's also school. It's also our relationships. It's the meetings we go to. It's anything that we do um, outside of prayer. And the way that I think about the active life is kind of considering it to be my arm, right? My hand is what picks up my fork to eat. It's my hand that really moves things and is out in the world. But behind my arm, what's really fueling it, what's giving it blood and oxygen is my heart, right? My heart is what's pumping it, is what is providing life to my arm to do all the things that I need my arm to do. And in the same way, the heart is the contemplative life. The contemplative life is prayer, it's the sacraments, and it's time we spend explicitly with Jesus. And in the same way as the heart fuels um, the arm to do what it needs to do, the contemplative life is the foundation and the source of a fruitful active life. I think, um, I think sometimes of this, like, of a mom and a little child, right? And their mom might say they're, like, at a playground, and the little child is, like, wanting to go explore and, like, learn how to go down the slide and learn how to climb. But so often, like, they turn around and, like, look at mom or, like, return back to mom to where is safe before they go out and explore again. In a really similar way, our relationship between our life and our ministry and our prayer should be similar we need to go back to the Lord in our contemplative life over and over again, daily returning to him like a child would return to, um, to his mother or his father to receive those graces and to receive the safety and the knowledge of truth. 
And Jesus kind of explains this idea to us in John 15. And if you were in John 15 as a freshman and you heard this talk, I apologize, I was not in John 15. But Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Right, so Jesus is this true vine, this true vine, and we are the branches. We stem, we come off of Jesus, right? Um, and we can do nothing apart from him. Our whole source of active of activity in our life is meant to stem from Jesus, from prayer. And I think of just a story to illustrate this. Um, last month, I had the privilege of leading a mission trip to South Texas. Um, we went to McAllen, and what we did there, we served a, spent a lot of time in the Humanitarian Respite Center. Um, and it's a center for refugees, where a lot of um, refugees from Central South America will come up, and uh, they, try and, they make it to the United States, and they try and figure out what they're doing from there. But it's kind of a holding place for them. And as you can imagine, these people have just incredible trauma as part of their story. And walking into that room, I know that all of us just really felt the heaviness of that and really felt the cross um, that these people had experienced in their life. And what I noticed is that our mission trip participants, they would go and they would be in the respite center. And it was really overwhelming, right, to be with these people who just have nothing. What you see right beside them is all of their possessions. And to go into this room and just serve to give of themselves, to sit with these people, to play with these kids. And it was a lot. And so when we were talking about how, how do we do this, how do we go on mission, how do we maintain um, our presence in this place, the most important thing that we did was pray. Right? We had a holy hour every single day, and I remember at the end of the week just being like so just rejoicing, because so many people said that the only way that they were able to handle the heaviness, to handle being at the foot of the cross is by prayer is by bringing what they are feeling and experiencing on mission to Jesus. And without that silence, without that space to do that, it would have been a really different experience. And this makes a lot of sense because the radical idea that Jesus is teaching us in John 15 is that the disciple of Christ is actually first a contemplative. The disciple of Christ is first a contemplative. Before we are Bible study leaders, before we are um, disciples, before we are students. We're contemplatives. And if we break that down even more, the verb in that word, contemplate, right, that means to gaze at thoughtfully, to look at. We are people who gaze. The disciple is one who first gazes and contemplates the person of Christ. And this is the work of the contemplative life, to look at the heart of Christ. Because what happens when we pray Right, it's a relationship. It's a relationship with God, with love Himself. And as we pray, we pray so that we might be able to say with St. Paul, it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And really, this is the truth of the gospel, right? That as we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, accept Him and accept the gospel, our God doesn't just want to save us from our sins. He loves us so much that He wants a relationship with us, He wants communion with us. And he wants to recreate us and free us and make us into his own image to participate in his own divine life, that we may live in communion with him. And this is what happens in prayer. 
This is what happens every day in our contemplative lives. Going back to John 15, Jesus says, He who abides in me, he it is who bears much fruit. Our active life relies upon our contemplative life for fruitfulness. It relies upon our contemplative life. And if we aren't praying, then our active life is not going to be fruitful. But as we persevere in prayer, there's an overflow of the grace that we receive in our encounter of Jesus Christ, in our relationship with him, that flows into our active life. So that what happens is that we are transformed into spirit-filled evangelizers. That's a term used by Pope Francis in the joy of the gospel. And Pope Francis says that Jesus wants evangelizers who proclaim the good news, not only with words, but above all with a life transfigured by God. So that the primary reason for evangelizing is the love of Jesus, which we have, ex which we have received. The experience of salvation, which urges us to ever greater love of him. So what does that mean? Right? Something happens when we go to prayer, guys. We encounter a God, a God who loves us. And we learn that there's someone who looks at us, a good father who looks at us and doesn't see our sin, but sees a beloved daughter and a beloved son. Something happens when we go to prayer, when we form this relationship with God. And suddenly we can say, we can say that we know Jesus Christ. We've encountered him. And to not share that good news is not an option for us anymore because our brother and sister deserve to hear the goodness of God. They deserve to encounter that love that we have encountered. And then our reasons for evangelizing, our reasons for mission, even our reasons for going up and trying to be an excellent student, they're transformed by the light of the gospel, by the love of Jesus Christ. And that is the real reality of prayer. It's not for the saints, it's for all of us. And my prayer so deeply is that you would experience that love and that you would continually experience that love because it is, is that conviction sustained by encountering Jesus every day in prayer that allows us to go out and bear fruit, that allows us to love our families well, to be good students. And without that contemplative life feeding into our active life, we don't have that grace to love. So we've talked a lot about ministry, about school, or about discipleship and, and Bible study. But what about the areas of our life that aren't explicitly Jesus-related, right? Like I mentioned, I would sometimes go out on campus, even though I, I was praying every day, and I felt like I was a different person. Like all the virtue would just go out the window, and I would become someone else. And I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed of that reality. I was so ashamed of the things that I would say to other groups of people, but I wouldn't say at St. Mary's. And there was this real disintegration, this disconnect between who I perceived myself to be in these places and who I wanted to be, and who the Lord was telling me I was in prayer. What then? The reality of God is that he is one who is constantly pouring himself out, and that there is no part of our lives that he does not desire to touch, to transform, and this reality of struggling to bring things to the Lord, to let prayer touch even these places of brokenness and woundedness, it's something I've struggled with for four out of the four years I've been at Texas A&M. And if you do the math, that is 100% of the time that I've been here. It's hard. It's hard to bring these places to him. But when we can, when I can lift that up to the Lord, 
And I'll give you a really real example. Um, physiology, VTPP 423. It's my last class before I graduate in May. And guys, it is tough. <laughs> it's really hard. And I just find in myself this real desire to not go and to not be there, to be straight up, to not pursue excellence. And I have friends here who can attest that I complain about it for sure. But what happens when I bring it to the Lord, right? When I come to him and I say, Lord, I don't understand why I dislike this class so much. I don't understand what you're doing here. Are you even there? Because this to me feels so lifeless. What does it mean to be an excellent student? What does it mean to do things well, but not to strive for perfectionism? He, he cares about these questions. There's no part of our lives that he doesn't care about. There's no relationship, no class, no organization that Jesus Christ doesn't want to talk to you about, that he doesn't want to look at and see and share that experience with you. As we go into Holy Week, we're just confronted with this reality in a really real way, right? Because the next three days are the holiest of our entire year, right? They're holy. And we enter into a time when Jesus dies on the cross for us and is resurrected. And we have the opportunity to celebrate that with our lives and in prayer. And to be completely honest, again, I've never really celebrated the Triduum as, you know, I might want to because I've always had school. I've always had tests. And the reality is, like, that's, that's hard, but that's where we're at, right? But I want to make the encouragement to prioritize your contemplative life over the next three days. To be with Jesus in your active life as well, whether it be um, reserving time to be with him and putting things aside until Monday if you can. To encourage that encounter with him in these next few days. Last thing I want to say is a, is a word of encouragement, of, again, just about this balance of the contemplative life and active life being difficult. Right? It's a real reality, and it's one that we constantly have to bring all of these things to him. And it takes that perseverance of showing up in prayer every day. But again, Jesus Christ is dying to be with you. And as we contemplate him, we learn that first he contemplates us. That he has been looking at us with love, considering us, and even thinking us into ex existence from the moment of our conception. From eternity, he has thought of us. And as we come to prayer, as we begin to learn how to contemplate him, we discover this gaze that has been gazing at us already. And with that, um, I'm going to end in prayer if you'll join me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you and I praise you that there is no area of our life that you do not want to touch with your love. There is no part of our hearts our relationships, our daily activities that you don't care about, that you don't want to hear about, for your children are beloved to you. Lord, I just pray that as we enter into this 30 minutes of prayer before Mass, as we enter into this next few days of the Triduum, I pray that you would give us the grace to prioritize you by showing up to prayer by remaining there and persevering in difficulties, by prioritizing our contemplative life, and by knowing that all that we do in our active life flows from you, from the love and this encounter with you.
I pray for a special grace of protection in the next few days. And I ask for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.